This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to another Joy 94.9 podcast. You're listening to Transmission Time on Joy 94.9 on Not Too Bad a Night Out There. Tonight we have Lauren and Jane and uh, a little later on we're going to talk to Craig Smith about genes in chickens and the possibility of changing their sex. Anyway, Lauren, what have you been doing in the last week? Well, I'm putting together your stupid CD (laughs) to start with, Simon and Garfunkel, Bye Bye Love. Correct. And wondering why it is that we only ever play Simon and Garfunkel, Jane, as an opening. We don't. Always only play that. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, we'll get over it and I'll move on, so please don't send any complaints. We'll have some newer Jane music during the course of the show on air at joy.org.au if you need to comment on the show tonight, which is an hour's worth of life from a transgender perspective, or our text number is 0427-JOY949. Very good. What have I been doing? Well, I wasn't here last week because I had someone crash into my car, which I thought was just lovely. Mm. Yes, I made your apologies several times. Yes, yeah. A funny thing happened to me on the way to the studio <laughs> last week. I didn't get here anyway. The only positive to come out of it, apart from someone repairing the scratches in the front of my car... <laughs> bad um, scratches? Well, well, I had some bad scratches before. I shouldn't come out on here and say this in case the insurance company's listening, but yes, had some nasty scratches, and because someone came through a red light and, and improved on those scratches... <laughs> The whole front end's going to be fixed up. Very good. But it was um, it was interesting the following day mm-hmm. um, because it's my telephone voice is a little masculine. I'd prefer that it wasn't, but it is. And when I was talking to the insurance company while they were validating my claims for, you know, your idiot dumb customer smashed my car, they were going, oh, but it was a... The, the both parties said it was a lady, and I said, oh, that is so nice. He said, why? I said, how far into transsexualism do you want to go? He said, oh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> we can get it fixed for you, and it'll all be fine. Very so, nice. So um, it it's flattering to think that people who smash into you on a cold, dark night are at least accepting of my gender. Mind you, it was dark. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> the darkness hides all the cracks, Lauren. <laughs> In what? In your face. Oh, you can talk, <laughs> moon face. Oh, I just had to get that in. And a big hi to Shane from for who's listening in Japan. Yes, is that right? You've got a stalker or is it my stalker now? Oh, I think he might be your stalker. Um, oh, hi, Shane. <laughs> uh, I haven't had a stalker before, so no, it's I wonderful. know. I received uh, an email from him uh, during the week. It says, hi, Jane and Lauren. I'm Shane living in Japan. I recently discovered your radio uh, station and your podcast. It looks like you do your radio show once a week, but your podcasts are only out occasionally. Why won't you do it regularly? Please post another podcast, please. Oh, really? See, that's... <laughs> Your, that's the problem because you're in charge of the technology side, so you should be doing more podcasts. Only sort of a, a podcast, really, in the interviews. And uh, after tonight, I'm going to have another three to do. It may be a couple of months before they all get done, but we'll get there. Anyway, the last line says, Lots of love to you, ladies, especially Lauren. You're so funny. Sh- uh, <laughs> thank you. And, and that's lovely. So, what have you been doing? You've been catching up with work colleagues. Oh, sorry, with old work colleagues. Old work That was col- when you used to work. That's right. And you yeah. talk about cracks in my face. <laughs> anyway, I had a friend um, who I used to work with. I don't um, believe that. 
Well, a friend. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I have got friends, Lauren. Okay. <laughs> you mightn't have, but I have. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, he um, ended up uh, coming out to my place. I hadn't seen him since I started my tra- um, sort of transition. He got all the pronouns right. He got the names right all the time. It's really so nice. So you worked with him um, presenting as male in those days. Many years so ago, So he used to use yes. another name and male yes. pronouns. Yes. And he's, wow, he's got up to speed. Yes. Is he from our community? Or no. Is just a, Lovely a guy, straight guy, a man used to work with. Yes. And does he find you attractive? I didn't ask him. I think that's probably <laughs> a good idea. <laughs> Maybe I should. Now, now the other couple of news briefs. There's yeah. been a couple of deaths to cheer yes. us up right at the start of the program, <laughs> well, and thanks uh, for scheduling that in. I thought we probably wouldn't get any time later when we start talking to Craig. I think it's going to occupy the whole show. Ros Hewson passed away in Burnie on Monday after a long illness. Ros was um, a passionate human rights campaigner and was said to be the first transgender Tasmanian to openly speak out against homophobia, transphobia and discrimination in the southern state. So it was a trans woman. Trans woman, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, she passed Ross away. Houston, so our thoughts go out to Ross's family and mm. anyone from the community who may have known her. Mm. E- evidently, she led um, pioneering efforts to educate the police, teachers, community leaders about gender diversity. Mm. Evidently, a very pioneer. A, yeah, pioneer person. Also, uh, last week, we saw the death of the New South Wales, or sorry, the ex New South Wales Attorney General, um, Geoffrey Shaw. He was one of the pioneers in New South Wales who, um, in the government, who led the change for GLBT rights. He basically uh, widened the scope of anti-discrimination legislation to include transgender people and made changes to the birth, deaths and, and marriage acts to allow trans people to change their names on birth certificates. Oh, okay. So, well, um, two sad losses for yes. the community. Mm. Okay. So that well, was thanks <laughs> for cheering us up. <laughs> yeah, Any well, good news or not? No, the <laughs> well, the good news is that we will soon be talking to Craig about changing the sex of chickens. <laughs> this might be interesting. Now that's going to be fun. Transmission time on Joy 94.9. Transmission time with Jane and Lauren and the Black Eyed Peas. No, they're not in the studio, but there's always a chance Jane could get black eyes if we play our cards <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sure you'd enjoy that, wouldn't you? And Jane, we have a fabulous guest in the studio, we, as you have warned everyone. We have Dr. Craig Smith. Back in April 2008, we spoke to researchers at the Prince Henry's Institute about some groundbreaking research which they did in isolating a gene that gave credence to the theory that transsection was um, genetic rather than psychological. Well, tonight we talk to Dr. Craig Smith, a senior geneticist at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, who in collaboration with the University of Melbourne and the CSIRO has found a gene that is responsible for sex determination in birds. Well, you might ask, what has bird research got to do with being transgendered? Well, what has bird research got to do with being transgendered? Yes, well... Oh, you said I might ask. Sorry. <laughs> yes. By ma- manipulating um, chicken embryos to reduce the level of one particular gene, DMTR1, they've been able to cause uh, testes to, to become an ovary and bring about male-to-female sex reversal. If you manipulate chicken livers, you can actually get a lovely pate biscuits. <laughs> yeah, it's very nice. But we can too. talk to Craig about that as well. Yeah. So. When I first found out about this, I thought, well, maybe this, this might be a less painful way for humans to have gender reassignment. And we're just wondering if that's on the horizon. Welcome, Craig. Thanks very much, Jane. Uh, welcome to me. Uh, hi, is, Jane, and also Lauren. This is not your first time playing with us, is it? You've been with us a lot of times. Yeah, I've been in the studio with you about three or four times now but i haven't mm. been in this new studio which is wonderful mm, they are nice. but it's, you've, yeah. you've taken us from a hopeful position 10 11 years ago of mm. maybe there's some genetic causation for transgender to a position where we're getting awfully close aren't we yeah it's it's a complex issue and so 
There are a number of genes that control uh, development of the, the gonads, testes and ovaries, and a number that also control brain sex as well. Mm. So it's, it's quite complex. We've come a long way. Jane, <laughs> let me throw it over to you. Before we get sort of into too much detail, uh, probably a, a little bit of your background. Right. I'm a developmental biologist or geneticist working at the Murdoch Children's Research Institute, and I have always had a love of biology, uh, which stems from my love of of animals, really. And so Mm. I did a zoology degree at Macquarie Uni in Sydney, and uh, where I studied alligators, which have temperature (laughs) sex determination, and uh, then moved uh, down here to Melbourne and have worked on uh, the genetics of sex determination uh, ever since, uh, using the chicken embryo as a model for Mm. humans. So it's been really interesting and uh, fascinating work. Was this, was this where you planned? When, when you were th- scoping out a career at 18, <laughs> did you ever think you'd be putting your fingers up alligators' bottoms? No. <laughs> no. I, I knew that I was interested in, wild, in animals and that led to interest in biology. And genetics really is a fascinating area to work in, particularly at the moment when the human genome has been sequenced and the genomes of other animals are being sequenced. And there's a, quite a wealth of information out there. It's really interesting. Mm. So what made you uh, join the the Murdoch Children's Research Institute? One of the lead researchers there, Andrew Sinclair, had a program studying sex determination in uh, humans and also in mouse and chicken models. Mm -hmm. And uh, Andrew discovered the male determining uh, SRY gene, so on the Y chromosome in humans, along with his colleagues in in the UK. And uh, this looked like an exciting group to join. And I'd already worked on sexual development. Uh, in Sydney, and so it seemed a, a good lab to join. You mentioned chickens. I thought a lot of the research was done on mice. Uh, why chickens? A lot of research is carried out on mice, and, and being mammals, they're used as a good model for humans, and we can breed mice in the lab and look at the genetics and the hormones involved in sexual development in mice. Chickens are an alternative model system to study sexual development for us, Primarily because the embryo develops outside the mother's body. So the, the embryo is in these packaged units, the eggs, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we can uh, open eggs and manipulate genes or inject hormones and then seal the egg back up and then look at the effects that that has on uh, later embryonic developments. That's okay. something that's uh, easier to do, obviously, than in a mammalian system where the embryos are inside the mother. Oh, and I suppose you can probably work out why the little bastards cross the road now, can't you? <laughs> If you've poked mm, around that's the inside of one. an egg, you can work out, why does that chicken cross the road? <laughs> that's probably the one answer you'll never get. No, we'll never get that answer. We'll be mm. looking for that later. Yeah. Mm. Now, the chickens, are they reasonably close uh, to humans? Uh, they are reasonably close in the big scheme of things in terms of broad evolution, closer <laughs> than a fish or a frog, obviously, mm. but not as close as uh, the mouse, which is a mammal, and, mm. and even the marsupials are closer to humans okay. than chickens are, but they are sufficiently distant that they can be quite useful, or sufficiently similar to humans that they can be quite useful for as models for human development. Okay. So m- many of the genes are involved in uh, development in chickens are shared with humans. So okay. uh, the basic genetics and the developmental processes are what we call conserved so they're similar across animals so what occurs in a chicken is very similar in a mouse it's very similar in a human they're growing ears on the back of mice and and, oh that human organs on pigs that image is uh, etched in everyone's memory isn't it the ear that was grown on the back of a mouse but if they they grew an ear on the back of a chicken of course you'd have all this fur all over the place you'd have to kill the chicken to replace the egg and then you've got dinner so there's probably Hmm. all these additional benefits yes although we're not in the business of putting ears on the back of chickens. <laughs> <laughs> I should hope not. 
<laughs> it sounds like, um, I suppose in some ways it may be a little bit of frivolous research. I don't, I don't know. So chickens yep. are close enough to humans to be worth studying. That's right. And because of the egg situation, the embryo grows outside. Yeah. It just makes it so much easier to study. Yes, that's right. Yep. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. You actually sent me sort of a number of, of articles about the sort of the current state of gene research in chickens and changing the sex. And I tried to grasp some of the um, the concepts, but frankly, most of it made a great big whooshing sound as it went straight over my head. The work that that, that you've been doing, for which there's um, there've been some um, articles, publi- you know, you've published some articles in Nature about it. Yes. And uh, it was about changing the sex of, of a chicken. Yep. So you, you started off with a, a male chicken and or embryo, and you've been able to turn it into a female chicken. Yeah. yeah. What's the sort of process that you go through for that? So the aim of that was to look at the genes that are involved in making a male or a female. So Mm -hmm. in the chicken, that means looking at the genes that will make a testis in a male embryo or an ovary in a female embryo. Mm -hmm. And so we uh, were studying a gene that we thought was a key gene that makes testes and therefore makes males. And so the aim of this research was to interfere with that gene or or, uh, turn it off or turn mm-hmm. it down, and then our idea was, therefore, the genetically male embryo would develop as a female, and that's what we saw. So the DMRT1 gene is the gene I'm talking about. Uh, we were able to manipulate the embryo mm-hmm. uh, using genetic methods so that the DMRT1 gene was turned down, and when it was turned down in genetically male embryos, they developed uh, ovaries rather than testes. And so that told us that this gene that we were working on, DMRT1, has an important role in making male chickens. Right. From these or the articles, uh, one thing I did seem to get was that this gene is also in humans. Yes, exactly. So I was saying that uh, many of the genes and developmental processes that occur in uh, animals are also seen in humans. Mm. And this gene, DMRT1, is also involved in male development in humans. It has a a lesser role in mammals and in humans than it does in chicken. We think it has a more important role in chickens, but Mm. that role is lessened in humans, but it's still an important role so that when this gene uh, has mutations or changes in humans, it interferes with typical male development and causes uh, fertility issues as well. Can I jump in? Have you messed with this gene in an adult chicken? An adult, what are they called? Hens? Yeah, that's that's a good point. No, we haven't done that. And in fact, uh, what we'd hoped to do was allow some of these so-called sex-reversed embryos to hatch and then look at them at the juvenile stage and in the adult stage to see if they stayed sex-reversed, for want of a better term. But we haven't uh, been able to get any of them through to hatching at this point. But it'll be interesting to look at them at the adult stage. So you're going to do a seven-up with these little chickens? (laughs) Yes, (laughs) seven-up. So theory and and i guess you know where i'm heading with this is if if you can turn this gene down the dmrt1 down in adult hens theoretically well i suppose not theoretically but there's a possibility that it might have an effect on an adult's gender identity yes physical development isn't it potentially that's true the general idea is that once the genes have Uh, worked in the embryo to produce a testis in a male and an ovary in a female, that's thought to be uh, fixed in in embryos, in in, uh, mammals and in birds, and so that when an individual is born, that is fixed. But uh, we now know uh, from mammals that that may not be true, that uh, you can interfere with a gene at the adult stage, and there's another gene that we're working on and others 
that can be changed and in mouse that can uh, cause uh, an adult mouse to uh, develop testes from ovaries. And so mm. you can manipulate a gene at an adult stage and get the gonads to change from one yeah. sex to the other. So it is potentially possible, yes, to, to alter gender at the adult stage. And Mm, that's a nice thought. <laughs> it could save a whole lot of money later. Uh, um, I'm sure it's going to be expensive whichever way you do it. And, and can I just clarify, you mentioned Andrew Sinclair. Yes. Was your boss, is your boss? Yes, that, that's right. Was and is. Yep. He found the SRY gender determining gene. Is that somehow related to the DMRT? No. So they're different genes. So uh, in mammals, in humans and in mice and all other most other mammals, uh, genetics is determined by XY male, XX female, and the gene that Andrew identified is a gene called SRY on the Y chromosome, and that's the gene that initiates testis development and therefore male development. That gene doesn't exist in chickens, in birds. So what we say uh, in our line of work is that it's an invention of mammals, this gene, SRY. So it's just recently evolved in mammals. Mm, And so birds and reptiles and fishes and all those other vertebrates don't have this this SRY gene. Mm -hmm. And so the DMRT1 gene in birds is unrelated to the SRY gene, which is an an invention from from mammals. But in mammals we have both. So yes, potentially influences yep. from both of these from genes. DMRT1 and SRY. Okay, and they are just two, Lauren, of many genes. Mm-hmm. So, like any developmental process, it's not just one or two genes are involved. You've got a hierarchy of many genes that are involved in making it an organ. And we're complex animals, and so SRY is involved in mammals. The mm. DMRT1 gene is involved in mammals. In birds, we know DMRT1 is involved, and then a host of other genes. And mm. so we're studying all of those other genes as well. Mm. Just reducing DMRT1 uh, gene in humans may not actually change a male into female. No. Yet you've got other things which are in there as well, which you'd also have to change. That's right. Yes, mm. and that and s- such changes may not occur in all of those other genes. Right. Hmm, interesting. Now I've lost my place. Um, being able to change the the chicken embryos uh, from male to female, is there any industrial advantage to, to this or just basically uh, pure research? There is uh, an application apart from... Uh, understanding human sexual development. So being based at the Murdoch Institute, I use the chicken as a model for studying human development. I mentioned to you that because Mm. many of the genes and processes are similar Mm. in chicken to humans, we argue that it's a useful model for humans. So it has biomedical significance. But the other area of significance is in the production of single-sex lines of chickens. So we collaborate with the CSIRO, uh, Australian Animal Health Labs, down in Geelong, Mm -hmm. and uh, the poultry industry is interested in producing all-female or all-male lines because all-female birds are required for egg-laying, obviously, Mm -hmm. and the broiler industry requires males because they produce more meat. And so if we can develop uh, a mechanism of producing... All females or all males, apparently that is of great value to the poultry industry and will save millions of dollars and it will increase efficiency of production. <laughs> God, we always end up, whenever we talk to you, the word Gattaca always keeps ringing in my ears. <laughs> all the males, so we do this with humans, we kill off all the males, sorry Craig, Oh, okay. <laughs> and the females go on to just recreate babies. There's got to be some question somewhere in, in yeah. a thousand years, what exactly are males good for? Yes, we're an endangered species, yeah, I think. You and I won't be around to celebrate that. but I should say, 
Sorry, Lauren, I should say there is uh, a, a public concern or awareness of genetically modified organisms. So mm, people yes. don't want to eat chicken meat that's been uh, has foreign genes in it in particular. So yeah. the moment we use a virus uh, to insert genes or, or delete genes in the chicken system, and that's an approach that we would not use uh, for commercial poultry production. We would modify the genes in other ways, and there are other less invasive ways of manipulating genes. So all of this is done being very mindful of the implications of producing genetically modified organisms and hu- and humans. Yeah, oh mm. yes. Yes, well people uh, even today talk about um about changes to human beings due to hormones that are being injected into yeah. chickens yeah. you know 5 10 years ago. So That's right. you can imagine the outcry if this starts if this goes industrial and commercial and people um you know start to get concerned about it. Yeah, sure. Now we'll move on Jane. <laughs> Okay. There was an article which I sent you which I thought was quite interesting. The copy I got was from actually from the Chinese People's Daily and it says, Transsexual rooster lays eggs and hatches chickens. Uh, This was back in April of this year. According to Tartung Po's uh, report on April 22nd, Jenny, a rooster in Italy, suddenly became a mother capable of laying eggs and hatching little chickens. Its owner said Jenny's transsexual situation happened after foxes attacked and ate all the hens. He was calling his rooster Jenny anyway. <laughs> yes, <apparently. laughs> Well, looks like hello. it. <laughs> well, I suppose the question that I have <laughs> is this a hoax? Is it fact? Comment? So the. The article I've got is a similar story from the Daily Express. Is that a British paper? Gender bender rooster who is now laying eggs. Mm. So it initially looks very dubious, but uh, apparently this is true. The rooster uh, turned into a hen after all of the other hens were eaten by a fox. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Firstly, I I can't. I find it hard to believe that a fox killing a whole group of hens would induce uh, another uh, the rooster the rooster to turn into a hen so birds don't change sex whimsically in that way fish do there are yeah, a number there of fish is, i've that heard of fish that yeah. will do that when so, the numbers uh, are unbalanced yep coral reef fish are uh, well known for it so a male can turn into a female if uh, if a dominant female dies for example so sex changing fish is quite common is the process of that understood uh it it is reasonably well understood and that does involve hormonal signals uh from the uh, brain and interaction between the brain and the gonads but in this case uh i read it again today of the the so-called gender bending rooster and wondered how that would operate i guess clearly there's uh, a genetic mutation in that individual in some way what sort of mutation that is we don't know but i suspect that possibly this animal or this bird always did lay eggs and was probably in Internally, a female, so ha- has ovaries, and because it was in a pen with all of these hens, nobody would really know that it was laying some of the eggs until all the hens were killed off by the fox, mm-hmm. and then it was discovered that this rooster was laying eggs. So I suspect that the bird was actually female internally and has always laid eggs, but has a, a mutation or a change that causes masculinization of the external appearance, and so that could be one explanation for that bird there could be another explanation but But that uh, one seems like the most logical it seems to me and in humans there's a condition called cah where females are masculinized externally Mm -hmm. due to an overproduction of testosterone so this could be you know an avian version (laughs) of that cah condition we've actually had an sms craig from someone that says being intersexed can you ask craig what animals are born intersexed so potentially that bird Potentially that bird that we've just discussed, 
So-called intersex in animals uh, refers to the presence of both uh, testis and ovary mm-hmm. in the one individual mm-hmm. or internal ovaries and external male... Mm-hmm. Or, or a chromosomal it, non-XX, non-XY. Any of those sort yeah. of examples. And inter- so-called intersex is rare, but it is widespread amongst animals. So you can see it in fish, uh, reptiles, potentially this rooster we've just been mm-hmm. talking about. And not a lot of people go around fondling tiger <laughs> genitals to find out no. if, if there's a whole lot of them. No. I think it's a little bit dangerous or, doing well, that. No. They may do it, but you never yeah. hear the results. No, you don't. Although I'd love to get a research grant to travel the world and do that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Ross, is, Ross is waving a stumpy arms, <laughs> saying that they have no hands. Um, on air at joy.org.au, if you'd like to send us an email or SMS to 0427JOY949 if you have any questions for Dr Craig Smith. You're listening to Transmission Time on JOY 94.9. Transmission Time with Jane and Lauren on JOY 94.9. Hunters and collectors searching for the Holy Grail. And I think, Jane, we're in the studio tonight with Dr Craig Smith searching for our own Holy Grail, aren't we? (laughs) We are. The genetic cause (laughs) and solution to gender Mm. issues. In summary, so far, we've worked out, Craig, and please correct me when I'm wrong. That <laughs> Notice she said when and that, not if. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That all of your, all of your, well, the vast majority of your research has been done on chickens yep. in recent times. You've identified a gene that creates, that is, is responsible for gender. You've been able to mess with it yes. and change gender in chickens. Yep. That gene is... is exists in humans along with something called SRY. Yes. And somehow between them, they're involved in the whole gender-transgender spectrum. Is that where we're at so far? I think so. Yes, more or less. So those, <laughs> those genes are involved, uh, the, those two genes you mentioned, in uh, male development uh, in uh, mammals. Male development. Male development, uh, specifically. Are you looking at the other side of the coin? The, the yes, certainly. So we know less about female development at the genetic level. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are some important genes that have been discovered in the last five years, but uh, whether they are right at the top of the pathway, as, as SRY is, is unclear. So okay. there are genes out so there. So you're going to sort out the male to female and, yep. then, and then hopefully track the female to female male to quickly. Male. Yes, Craig, one of the things that I noticed in the articles that you sent me, which, you know, as I said before, went flying over my head, there was a, uh, I'm not sure if I get this right, gyne or andromorph chicken. That's it. Where the chicken appears to be male on one side and female on the other. But physically? Physically, yes. And saw the picture, I thought, ah, this is a bit of a joke. But the article was published in Nature magazine, which is uh, very highly thought of. So I assumed it was fact. Am I right? Oh, yes. Yeah, definitely. Unlike uh, the gender-bending rooster that uh, figured in the Daily Express, (laughs) (laughs) this paper was published in Nature, so that's probably the world's leading scientific Mm. journal. So it's it's rigidage. This uh, gynandromorphic chicken, so gynandromorph means gyne, female, andro, male, morph, morphology, so it's a female and male morphology. And due to a genetic anomaly or alteration during embryonic development, this bird has developed as male on one side of the body and female on the other. And the listeners can't see this, but I've got a picture in front of me of a, a chicken which has a large male leg with a spur on one side and a female leg on the other and a large male breast muscle on one side and a female, normal female muscle on the other side. It looks like a piece of really crap 
uh, photoshopping. <laughs> yes. It does. Yeah. That's but, the first thing I thought yeah, of. But it's, it's published in Nature and therefore has to be, has to be right. <laughs> so this work was carried out by my colleagues at the Roslyn Institute in Edinburgh. And I actually did a sabbatical over at the Roslyn uh, about mm. five years ago, Ross. And the Roslyn's famous because that's where Dolly the sheep was cloned. Oh, so it's yes. a large um, bio-agricultural um, research institute. Mm. This bird is very unusual. Uh, it's quite rare. I think they described three of them in the paper. But it's important and it's published in Nature because it suggests that there are direct genetic effects on sex that are independent or separate from hormonal influences. So... Mm. If sex was determined purely by hormones, uh, you wouldn't get a, a, a chicken that looked like this. So the hormones course through the blood and are on both sides of the body. So yeah. why would one side be male and the other side be female? Because the hormones would be equally distributed on both sides In of the both body. both legs. Do we know what's between those, those two rather uh, non-symmetrical legs? Yes, they have been studied quite closely. So internally, uh, the gonads, as you might expect, were uh, female on one side and male more or less on the other side. Uh, so the bird so really was... A, a bird can be told to go F yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, that was a really, really, really inappropriate line. Can right. <laughs> so the idea is that uh, it could. this can't be due purely to hormones and the logical explanation is that in each individual cell there are direct genetic effects that tell the cell its sex. Mm. So all the cells on one side of the body knew, in inverted commas, that they were male and all the cells on the other side knew that they were female. So it supports the idea that in addition to hormones there are direct genetic effects upon sex uh, sexual characteristics in the body, and that has implications for other animals, including well, humans. That would, see, that I, I can't get my head around that, because mm. surely if they knew they were female or male, wouldn't the hormonal influence whatever is running through mm. that chicken come rooster, wouldn't they somehow affect all of the body? Well, or, or perhaps uh, uh, one uh, side of the body is, is receiving information or oestrogen from mm. the ovaries and one side from a gonad. No, so the... Well... The hormones will be uh, coursing throughout the body on both sides. And so, yes, there will be hormones such as estrogen and testosterone, which traditionally feminize or masculinize. But what this study shows is it's not just the hormones. So, okay. yes, there will be some hormonal influences here, I would say, but that is in addition to direct genetic effects yeah. in, in each individual cell. So, so this chicken was going to be... The cells of this chicken knew what they were. Yes, regardless of hormonal influences. Yes, that's what they're arguing in this paper. Mm. I'm guessing here. Could it be that the cell, in having some sort of pre-programming, says, yes, I'm a female cell and I'm a, a male cell, that it reacts to the hormones which are going through the body differently? And, and so that the male ones are picking up more on the testosterone than the estrogen and the reverse on the, uh, on the other side? Yes, absolutely. That's quite possible. So there could be different responses to the hormones released from the gonads. I don't think they've looked in that sort of detail at these birds, but yes, quite possibly. Mm. So. Did they make this animal or did they find one? They found them. So uh, they're rare, and I think they described three of them. So they're naturally occurring. But I remember Mike at the Roslyn showing me pictures of these birds when I was there in 2005, and we were discussing how unusual they were. Mm -hmm. And I, they were found by a breeder uh, somewhere in the UK. Somewhere really close to a, uh, a nuclear <laughs> power plant. <somewhere. laughs> probably, no, probably Can this particular chicken lay eggs? I don't know the answer to that. I don't think so. So they haven't produced any evidence that they can produce okay. eggs. The next question is going to be, does this sort of male-female uh, combination occur in other species, or is it only in the chickens that it's been found? 
It has not been described in mammals, as far mm. as I'm aware. But the differences wouldn't be that strong, really, in mammals, would they? Mm. Like, the difference between no. a male and a female hen rooster are quite noticeable, aren't they? Yeah. Whereas, if it was a mouse, you probably wouldn't really notice. No. Or most mammals, really. No, there are size differences between many mammals. Uh, but mm. you're right that many of the differences are internal or they're subtle. Yeah. But this is really uh, rather unusual, and it's been most... Clearly defined here in birds. Wow. Mm. Okay. From what I understand, and I may be wrong here, but the conventional thing, as I understand, that the embryos, whether they're chicken or human, basically don't have a sex until the 60 determining genes actually initiate the um, gonadal differentiation. But in chickens, there's some thought, well, I suppose this is what we've been talking about, that they have their own inherent identity in the cells themselves. Yes, that, that's right, Jane. So all of what you've just described is uh, pretty much true. So mm. when an embryo starts as a single cell, its sex is really determined or set at the time of fertilisation, that is when sperm meets egg. Yes. So in other words, it's the sex chromosomes that you inherit. So in humans, an embryo that inherits XY sex chromosomes is destined to be male mm. mm-hmm. and an individual that inherits two X chromosomes, one from mum and one from dad, uh, is destined to become a female. But the genes that are carried on those chromosomes don't become active until later in the gonads mm. when they cause the gonads to differentiate or to mm. form testes in a male or ovary in a female. And then those gonads release hormones that masculinise or feminise the rest of the body, including the brain. Now, that's the, the dogma being held for many, many years. What this... Uh, unusual chicken shows and also other lines of evidence show is that there are uh, effects of uh, sexually um, dimorphic or different effects in the sexes that occur very early on in the brain and the body Mm. separate from the gonads so there are direct effects of genes that are independent of the hormones coming from the gonads and some of the evidence of that comes from studies on mouse and chicken embryos where people researchers have looked at the brains and found sex differences in gene activity Mm -hmm. before the time that the gonads form into testes or ovaries so before the time that there's any hormones released so those sex differences in the brain can't be due to any hormones coming from the gonads because the gonads haven't formed yet so There are, in addition to uh, hormones from the gonads, we also have now direct genetic effects in the brains and other parts of the body Mm. separate from the gonads. So you could appreciate then that the the gonads may form one sex and in um, some cases the brain may develop in a pathway to the opposite Mm. sex. Mm. So if with this um, Demirti-1, whatever this gene is, and what was it? The acronym is DMRT1, and I won't say what that stands for because DMRT1. it's too long. <laughs> With this, this gene that you found that you were able to switch off or, or turn down, if cells already have a predetermined sex and you start fluffing around with DMRT1, can you, have you been able to find something changing in there? Like if a chicken has a predetermined sex of male and you mess with this gene, does it change their, well, I don't know if you can tell this, their brain sex or their physical sex? When we manipulated the DMRT1 gene, it was changing their gonads uh, at the embryo stage. Mm. So gonads that were destined to become testes. So it's a physical, yeah. So we looked at the development of the gonads, and so you look at those down the microscope Mm. and you stain sections and that sort of thing. And so the gonads uh, looked like ovaries when Mm -hmm. we turned Mm -hmm. down the DMRT1 gene. What happened in the brain, we have no idea. 
So uh, we haven't looked at the brain. It would be interesting to look at We could run an autopsy on Jane next week sometime, perhaps. (laughs) Oh, that's not very nice. Is that implying something, Laura? Oh, no, no, no. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be down one person. So is there... Do you you think there's a... um, And I guess all you can do is hypothesise at this point, but from a transsexual male-to-female perspective, do you think there's any conclusions or or, or things that you can draw from this that will Mm. help transsexuals understand who they are and potentially change who they are earlier? One of the points that I wanted to emphasise based on these studies in the chicken and the, the gene activity in the brain is that brain sex need not correlate with gonadal sex. So mm. gonadal sex, the gonads may form testes or they may form ovaries and because there are hormones influencing the brain and there are direct genetic effects in the brain as well that I just mentioned. There may be changes to genes in the brain that could wire up the brain Mm. that is at variance to the gonads. And so we could envisage a situation where the gonads may form testes, but the brain may be wired in the the female mode or or feminized due to direct genetic effects in the brain. So it's complex and brain sex uh, will involve signals from the gonads during embryonic life Mm. and early life Uh, but it would also involve direct effects of genes acting in the brain. So we're getting closer to being able to say that transsexuality is a genetic condition? Yes, definitely. We're not getting a whole lot closer to being able to put a a syringe or a finger or anything (laughs) on the exact, exact cause of it. No, and in fact... Because you're actually complicating it for us, aren't you? It was, yes. It was and quite it, clear. <laughs> a, few, a couple of years ago, it was quite clear and nice. Oh, no, it's, it's never so clear-cut. Uh, whenever we make these discoveries, we uh, come away with uh, more questions. Uh-huh. You had Lauren, I think, last year, was it from Monash? Um, uh, Lauren here and, Lauren. Ian, and Ian Matchamore. Yeah, talking yeah. about genes that they've implicated in um, transgender yeah. individuals. Yes. And so there were changes to... Uh, genes are involved in hormone production or hormone uh, development in the brains. So uh, that was a human study, wasn't that it? Was that was a human study. That was very interesting. But with any of these issues, it's more than one gene involved. So you're not. There's not going to be one transgender gene or one gay gene. Uh, obviously, there'll be a number of genes working in a network, and so you're not going to be able to manipulate one particular gene to have a, a, a broad effect in individuals if you're working on embryos. At this stage? At this stage, no. For people who are wanting a sex change, don't hold out for doing it uh, genetically. You still have to do it via the knife. Yes, at this stage I would say so. Mm. Sally has sent in an, an email saying, why am I being reminded of the Bugs Bunny cartoon where the scientist wants to turn this rabbit into a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> Very funny, Sally. <laughs> and while we're on SMS, is a big hi to Sarah, who's listening from Brisbane. Don't know how. Oh, via the internet. Yes, via the internet. Yes. Joy.org.au. Unless she's got an extremely big antenna attached to her radio. <laughs> yes, and support the previous messages and think Lauren is amazingly funny. That's two. Thank you, Sarah. That's, wow, I'm doing all right tonight. Two stalkers Sh- tonight, Shame Lauren. about you. So I guess we probably need to wrap this up and say that you haven't fixed it at all, have you, Craig? You haven't got anything in your back pocket that we can take to as an no. immediate cross-gender no. fix. No, yet. no, I'm afraid not. <laughs> it sounds like that but, it's a long way off. Where are you going from, from here? I mean, you're going to start examining the deve- seven-up on eggs? Yeah, oh, yes. Start developing yeah. the, the life of these... Are they called chickens? Yes. Even when they're male? Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So when they've ha- we want to look at these birds when they're at hatching to see mm-hmm. what 
they look like? Do they appear externally male or female? Mm. And then at adult stages, do they appear externally male or female? Do so they revert back to mm. their genetic sex? Can they produce mm. eggs? Can they mate? That sort of thing mm. in the chicken system. Mm. So uh, when, when you go home to Craig and he's cooked a beautiful chicken Ross. dinner. Ross, I'm sorry, you're Craig. You go home to Ross, he's cooked a beautiful chicken dinner yep. and says, how was your day today, dear? And you say, I've been fondling chicken genitals all day. Uh, he was just pushing the plate away and go, oh, like I'm not hungry anymore. You'd think so, but I actually love chicken. It is, <laughs> I love eating it's chicken. It's not bad. Did have a final question. Uh, you mentioned that earlier that, that with the embryos that you hadn't been able to get them to hatch. No. At this stage. No, and that's a, a technical issue relating to the way in which we manipulate the egg. So we uh, cut a hole in the egg and manipulate the embryo. And you then scramble it, it with again. milk. and Scramble it with milk. <laughs> no. Throw in some bacon. It's <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> yeah, they that's why nice they don't hatch, way. Lauren. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and that causes a high mortality in later embryonic stages, mm. so not a lot of them survive at that stage. But so you we think work you on can that. get around that? We think we can get around that with the help of our colleagues down at CSIRO. Uh, we, and they're set up for breeding birds. So mm, it'll great. be interesting. So we look forward to having you back in a couple of years' time and bringing in a couple of small chickens. <laughs> yes. Um, and have them run around at, the studio. 42 spices. Uh, <laughs> I won't be allowed to... I'm sure they won't be allowed to leave uh, quarantine. <laughs> Can no. I just say uh, hello to my friends? Uh, no. <laughs> I'll go on. I've been, go on please. I've been here for an hour. To Thomas and Alicia, I think they're listening tonight, and also members of the lab. Uh, Kelly, I think, is listening, and Denise and Steffi and others from the lab who might be listening. Oh. So you've got a, a big audience of scientists tonight. Oh, really? Oh, very th- good. Then we're really sorry if we completely oversimplified it for, the, for the rest of our community mm-hmm. who are still trying to get their heads around it. Mm. But thank you. No, thank you for coming in. Well, I was just going to say the same oh, thing. Okay. Th- thanks, Craig, for, uh, for coming in and, oh, you're and giving up your uh, this lovely evening. And we look forward to, to basically uh, talking to you later on a little bit further about some more research when you've gone a little bit further. I look forward to coming back. Thanks very much, Jane and Lauren. It's thank lovely you. to have you. And you're listening to Joy 94.9. Good night. This has been another Joy 94.9 podcast. Joy 94.9 is a gay and lesbian volunteer-based community radio station committed to providing a voice for the diverse GLBTI communities. You can support our work by becoming a member or making a donation. For details, go to joy.org.au. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.